Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 54. We are recording on a beautiful St. Patrick's Day evening. It's Thursday right now. You'll probably hear this on Friday. I'm Nathan Hirsch alongside, as always, my good pal Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going? It's going good, man. It's a very warm St. Patrick's Day. I'm outside uh, podcasting from the patio, and it's... uh, about mid fifties, so you know it's a good, it's a good night overall. How's your- good? I'm also outside recording this podcast from the front porch, so enjoying the weather for sure. And you know we're about to be enjoying some Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. The season, the spring training season, officially starts tomorrow. They play the Yankees at one o five. But before we kind of highlight some spring training things. Pirates made some moves this week, eh, Jake? Not sure where Jake went just now, but the Pirates moves they've made this week. Three picked up players. Uh, They picked up first baseman slash DH, because they have that in the NL now, Daniel Vogelbach. Um, Previously with the Mariners, Milwaukee, he came up with the Cubs, I believe. Last season with Milwaukee, not tremendously great. 219 average, 349 on base, 381 slugging, nine home runs in 258 plate appearances. But in 2019, he was a 30 home run hitter. Um, and the thing with him, the batting average will never be high. Career 209 hitter. Last season was actually a career high in batting average at 219. But the man walks. He gets on base. He strikes out a decent amount, but he walks a good amount to 15.7%. Jake, if you're with us, what do you think about that? Nate, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Um, so Vogelback signing. I think that's very intriguing. Um, we were featured on the Raw on the uh, Ron, no, San Ranto show the other day, and I brought up how Vogelback adds that missing element of power that the Pirates sort of needed over the past few years. Really, it just seems like they've been a contact-heavy team, and now that they're finally adding some juice to this lineup, I think it's a big step in the right direction. Um, obviously, Yoshi was the first sign of that. O'Neal coming up, that's another sign. But them signing Vogelback, you know, that's really all he is for, as you mentioned, a very low batting average. Uh, doesn't really bring much in that area. Uh, one thing I did notice, um, if you, if any of you have read, uh, read my um, – uh, the story I made whenever they, the signings were made, I noted that Vogelbach has the opportunity to walk, uh, to uh, draw walks a lot. And on top of his home runs, I think that's something that the pirates really need. They've seen very antsy at the plate. So they need somebody who can come in and show a little bit more plate discipline. And I think that's what Vogelbach can do along with that power. So uh, I, I guess I'll finish off with Vogelbach with, you know, what I said on the San Ranto show. And that's expect a lot of Allegheny bombs. The guy's got tremendous power. Uh, it seems like anytime he makes a little bit of contact, that ball flies. So, Nate, I love the signing. Um, I know it's a throw throwaway year and possible reclamation project. I don't know if he's going to be flipped at the deadline, but overall I think that Vogelbach is the – is it cemented? Yeah, I agree. As the motorcycle comes flying by my street. Um, the thing with him, I think he's just a professional – hitter that's pretty cliche to say but like you say like we both said he draws his walk walks uh the thing with him his career bapip is just really low 242 so he's he's not fast obviously he's probably one of the 10 or five slowest human beings in major league baseball so the bapip he's not going to get infield singles per se but 
it's not like he strikes out a super ton. I mean, 22% uh, last season, 25% for his career. That's decently high, but you know, he, he gets the ball in play. So hopefully he gets a little more lucky this season and the average at best. I mean, if he hits 220 and gets on base at a 350 clip like he did last year, sprinkling some more home runs, that will be nice. And like you said, chances are if he's productive at all, the Pirates are well out of the race. He's a nice little piece they can flip at the deadline and get some lottery ticket prospects back. I know we kind of talk about that all the time. It's a wash, rinse, and repeat with these types of signings. But overall, I like it. Last week on the pod, I was just absolutely begging the front office to do something. And so far, I mean, first baseman slash DH, two relievers. We can get on into the relievers uh, next. Keith Hembry, who was on the Red Sox, he is now with the Pirates. Big strikeout guy. Last season had a career-high 34.2% strikeout rate. The walks are pretty pretty high as well, about 10%. Big fastball slider guy. Touches the mid-90s and the sliders in the mid-80s. A purely two-pitch guy. Um, from the right side, yeah, he's a right-hander. I like the signing. I think when you look at the Pirates bullpen right now, he definitely has a chance to be maybe the seventh inning guy. If you look at it with Stratton in the eighth and Bednar in the ninth. So one year for him, uh, $2 million, a little over $2 million. And uh, by the way, the Vogelback signing was one year, 1 million. Very, very expensive contracts here by the Pirates. But um I like the Hembry signing as well. Just more depth to the bullpen. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the bullpen last year looked really shaky. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of young guys come up, guys who were underperforming and really under, other than Bednar and uh, Stratton, we really had nobody. I'm not including uh, Spitzbarth in this just because he wasn't up for that long of a time. Uh, you look at the guys that we have in the bullpen, they're just not productive. At least they weren't last year. I mean, we got rid of Chase and Shreve, who looked in a pirates uniform looked good, but in other uniforms probably wouldn't look so good, but judging by the bullpen that we had, um, there's really not much that we can do other than just try to add as many pieces as we can. Um, and Hembry, I think is that, is that guy, um, you mentioned that you, that he has the potential to be that seventh inning guy. I think if Stratton either struggles or just based on Hembry's performance alone, he has the potential to be that eighth guy, that eighth inning guy behind Bednar. Um, I mean, he's brought, he's got that uh, blazing speed behind his uh, four seamer. I mean, I think he topped out at 99 last year. Um, and it's just the weakness for him is like you said, he's got a small pitch arsenal and, and looking at his charts, I mean, the guy favors the left side of the batter's box a lot more. So that's something that opposing teams and hitters will come into the game knowing is that this guy can, you know, he, he relies heavily on one side. So let's take advantage of that. But as I said um, a few days ago, you know, with a little bit of coaching from Oscar Marin, because he is showing some signs of promise and flipping some of these poorer pitchers. I think with the right amount of work and with a, with the right fine tuning, I think Henry's got the ability to be one of the late impact guys in this bullpen, not maybe shark tank worthy, but definitely an effective guy. Yeah, I agree. And you look at it too, his ERA last year was pretty bad. 5.59, but his expected ERA, his XERA was 3.17. So a big, 
big gap there. He was a, a bit unlucky last season. And considering, too, jumping from the American League East, where you have the Rays, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays, those are some pretty uh, powerful teams coming to the not-so-awesome National League Central, where you have the Cubs and the Reds, who are kind of bottoming out this year, along with the Pirates. The Brewers are solid, but they're more a more of a pitching team. They don't really hit super well. They're about middle of the pack when it comes to offense. And then the Cardinals are just the Cardinals. They're annoyingly solid everywhere, but there's no there's no super power teams in the NL Central. So I think that'll help him as well. And once again, like we said with Vogelbach, if he's solid at the deadline, he's someone. If he if he's really nice and solid, he's someone that could potentially bring a nice little return of prospects to keep adding to the depth of the farm system, blah, 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 blah. Like you get it. Uh, that's, that's a potential thing as well. Pitched 58 innings last year and he appeared in 60 games. So I, I like this signing uh, a lot. It's really grown on me. And like we said, big strikeout numbers. And I think he'll be better this season than last. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the the opposition that he faced last year, like you said, the AL East, they have so many prime hitters. But yet, over in the NL Central, there's possibly a few. I mean, Christian Yelich had an off year last year, so he's due for a rebound year. Um, But other than that, you got what? Arenado and Goldschmidt out in St. Louis. Maybe Schwindel and even a smidgen of wisdom over in Chicago. Uh, And then India over in Cincinnati. But they're not real big impact hitters. They're they're middle of the road. Um, obviously, this is excluding Arenado and Goldschmidt because they're they're elite hitters. But then Votto. See, I don't know if I consider Votto an elite hitter anymore. He's good, but he's not elite. I, I, I don't know. He's not what he was. He was. He's not what he once was. But last year, he had kind of a renaissance where he was bonkers there for a few months. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. He's past his prime. Yeah, and I mean, he can make a splash regardless. But I don't hold him to that high standard. It like I used to just based on age alone, but you you get the difference. There's at least, you know, every team over in the AL East has at least three solid hitters. Whereas in the NL central to toss up to see, you know, where the offensive production lies. Uh, So, I mean, there is a, this could be his breakout year. This could be the fit for him is in the NL central Um, possible trade candidate. If all things, you know, if all the cards fit well, but um Overall, I think it's just a quality signing, like I said, for the bullpen. And I think this change of environment will be good for him. And by environment, I don't mean like just geographically. I also mean, you know, division wise in the, in the MLB. I'm expecting big things from Hembry this year. And just considering he's got Oscar Marin to mentor him, the sky's the limit really for Hembry. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he can really uh, fine tune some things and have a nice year in Pittsburgh as well. The final um, kind of move the Pirates made. This week, they claimed relief pitcher Adonis Medea, a former top 100 prospect with the Phillies. Uh, he only has 11 and two-thirds innings pitched career at the major league level, so not um, not a ton of experience, kind of basically a lottery ticket, if you will. But you throw him into the mix, he'll definitely have a chance to make the uh, opening day roster and i'm looking here he has one option left so um he could start in minor leagues but i think he'll have a chance you look at his pitch arsenal um 
He's a fastball slider guy as well, but also mixes in a cutter and changeup. So a little more of an arsenal sits at about 93. Cutter sits at about 86, as does the changeup. Big ground ball guy. Um, if you look at his minor league numbers, he, his ground ball rate is near 50% for his whole career, basically. And he only pitched seven and two-thirds innings with Philadelphia last season, but 47.8 ground ball percentage there as well. So uh, nothing nothing to scoff out there in terms of getting the grounders. Doesn't really strike out a lot of hitters and does have walk problems occasionally. But if you look at his minor league numbers, the walks weren't that big of a problem. So I'm all right with it. Um, once again, stick him in the, the middle uh, as a middle relief guy and – We'll see what happens. Um, it, it's just another it's another body to put in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, another lottery ticket. You take a chance on a guy who was a top, a former top prospect. And, I mean, you mentioned his ground ball rate. That's something that can really induce a lot of outs, especially with the infield that we have. I mean, Kevin Newman was a ground ball specialist when he was in the, in the, in the infield. He, you know, he, he seemed to have a <laughs> vacuum glove, really. And Defensively, yeah, I thought you were joking about his offense. But yeah, defensively, he's great with the glove. Now, there is no joke with Kevin Newman's offense, even if you tried. But um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, it's a it's a chance. You know, again, we are not in a place to, conv- uh, to compete this year. Medina, a former top prospect, bring him in as a reclamation project if he can do so well. And I don't think he would be used as a trade chip, possibly one of those guys that grows with the team. Um, and I spoke to my one friend who is a huge Philly guy. He follows him. He's followed him all his life or followed them all of his life. And I mean, he, he's got high praises for this guy, despite his numbers. So when you have the fans still on your side, despite the numbers arguing with them, uh, really, you have a good opportunity to turn your misfortunes around with a new team and uh, with a guy with a team that's growing like the pirates is, I mean, there's really nothing to lose from it and a lot to gain. So um, the Medina, the Medina claim, I should say, is a very, uh, it's a, I think it's going to be a very underrated move for the organization, at least this year. Um, I can't speak for what he's going to do down the road when the Pirates do and hopefully become competitive again. But I mean, for now, I like it. He, they, they're using his pros to his advantage and they're not expecting him to be a, torp, a, a, a type of guy, uh, like a, like a strikeout guy or a flyout guy or something like that. They're, they're working with what he knows. And that's the best thing that Derek Shelton and company can do, especially in a time like this. So, it give, I, I give it a passing grade. I wouldn't say an A+. plus. I'd say more of like a B. I mean, it's passable for now, but I think we'll add better arms once we're competitive again. Yeah, and it should be said, too, that coming up in the minor leagues, he was predominantly a starter, so that's definitely a possibility, too. I think if he makes the roster, he'll definitely be a reliever, but he has started in the past. It'll be interesting to see how the Pirates deploy him out there so, uh, like you said, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with picking up a guy like this. Good pedigree, um, and we'll see what he can do. So I was going to say, uh, for the rest of the pod, so basically spring training, the games start tomorrow, and I just kind of wanted to run through with you which spring training positional battles intrigue you the most. Because when you look at the roster of the Pirates, you know, besides center field Brian Reynolds and third base um, Cabrian Hayes and catcher Roberto Perez, pretty much every other position is up for grabs. You look at it, 
at first base. It's going to be Yoshi and Vogelbach with some Chavis, Chavis, uh, Michael Chavis mixed in. Second base, you got Michael Chavis, you got Cole Tucker, you got Kevin Newman. Same could be said for both of those at shortstop. You also have guys like Hoy Park. You have Tucapita Marcano vying for middle infield time, Rodolfo Castro, even someone like Diego uh, Castillo. There's just a ton of names where players could potentially get playing time. And then obviously you look at the outfield besides Reynolds. You have Anthony Alford and Ben Gamble now, but you also have guys like Greg Allen and Travis Swaggerty who could be vying for major league time. And obviously the pitching rotation, it's just completely up in the air. I don't think there's one specific guy that is a lock to make the starting rotation besides maybe Mitch Keller. Um, which, which, uh, which positional competitions intrigue you the most this spring? Pretty much anything in the middle infield, um, shortstop especially, because you get you name the guys uh, Kevin Newman, Diego Castillo. Are we forgetting O'Neill Cruz? Uh, yeah, we are. We did <laughs> the power hitting. You know, probably the tallest shortstop to ever play the game. Probably will get moved somewhere, but as of now, a shortstop. Uh, it's intriguing to see where they go with that because a lot of them bring a lot of pros. Diego's uh, performance last year in the minor leagues just completely blew people out of the water after you know after the Pirates traded for him. Cruz, obviously, there's too much to count. The only neg- uh, downside to him is his defense sometimes. Because I didn't, I, I like dating back to last year when I would watch Cruz and Altoona. There were times where like his size would work as a disadvantage. He'd bend over on the backhand for a ground ball, and it would just be hard for him to come up with it. But um, when you offset that with his offense, his bat is just something terrific. And I mean, he's got blazing speed for a tall guy, so. He brings a lot of intangibles there, and defense is something he can work on. I mean, they're transitioning him all over the field. Kevin Newman, apparently he's got a new batting stance, new mechanics to him, and yeah. obviously his defense, we can't talk about that enough. So uh, it, I think the shortstop battle out of the two really intrigues me. Second base is a little bit different. I'm going to say right now, I don't have high hopes for Marcano or Park. I really don't. Just watching them last year, both in the minor leagues and in the MLB, other than Park's Grand Slam, nothing really uh, amazed me about them. But I, I am intrigued by Chavis versus Tucker. Um, Tucker is coming, is trying to string together a rebound year after years of underperforming. And you remember last year when I said that once Rick Eckstein left, uh, Cole Tucker looked like a brand new player. And seeing him this year, I think, is going to really be telling of what he could have been pre Rick Eckstein, pre that, re- that regime. I think he finally found a system that works. He looked so much better toward the end of the season last year. He hit much more defense was stellar. And I mean, the guy's just a clubhouse personality. Everybody loves. He's always upbeat and, and bubbly and it, in a bad time. That's what you guys, that's what people want. Chavis came over from the Red Sox, you know, lots of power behind him, but just didn't make enough contact to really warrant a, a permanent spot in the Red Sox organization. So they traded him over here and he showed signs of promise with the pirates. It's just, he got, you know, got a little held up with his injury. So you got two reclamation projects on the right side of the middle infield. Um, and really both players are high caliber talent. And I think they can come out next year and make a case why they each should be starting at second base. Personally, I think Chavis is just going to get it because, I mean, they wouldn't have traded for him if, um, you know, if they didn't see much more in him. But Cole Tucker, I think, is going to be 
he's going to be that guy that platoons out at second base, but also is a, is a utility man who's going to work other areas. Um, I would say the first base battle, but I think it's too, it makes too much sense with Vogelbach, Yoshi, and Chavis filling in. It makes too much sense to get into a battle per se. Yeah, that and that adds another element too. So I think all yeah, three are going to get utilized well. pretty well. And I think they they don't really have to quote unquote battle for it. It's just where they fit in the most with the lineup. And I don't consider that much of a battle. To me, a battle means that you're trying to fight for a spot on the active roster. And I think all three of those guys already have it. So nothing to worry about there. Outfield is a little different. Um, Alford obviously coming off a redemption year, uh, did a little bit better toward the end of the season with the Pirates, but struggled a lot last year. Shown signs and promise in AAA. Ben Gamble is Ben Gamble. Um, I don't ever want to see him leave the Pirates, but ultimately he's getting up there in age, so he's, somebody's got to take him over. But he's going to prove why he's still effective. I mean, he took, um, oh, I was watching uh, J- Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post because his videos on Twitter today, and he took somebody deep. I think it was, uh, oh, it was Zach Thompson, one of the newly acquired people that we got. He took him deep to center field. So Gamble's can still be effective, and I hope spring is that way, or is that sort of route for him to showcase that. Um, Greg Allen, I personally don't see him much as more of a, a platoon guy for the time being. Um, he's got great speed. He can hit, he can defend. So, but he's not that special player. Um, there's always a chance that he could prove that in spring training, but I don't, I don't really see that in him. Um, but I think he has some promise uh, in right field. You can also fit possibly Cole Tucker, um, I mean, he, he played outfield last year. He's got that experience, and now it's just a matter of evolving it uh, with him. Um, so really, you've got a lot of names out in the outfield that I'm really intrigued by, people that are stationary outfielders and some that have adapted to that role. I don't see O'Neill Cruz battling for an outfield spot. If anything, I think he's going to primarily focus on shortstop and third for the time being. He has taken reps at second base over the course of the abridged spring training, but... Um, the left side of the middle infield is where Cruz is going to be. So in terms of the outfield, it all depends on who wants it more this year, who wants to showcase what they can be and maybe be a trade chip. Um, that's, that's where I'm looking at. I think if it's up, if it were up to me, opening day outfield would probably go to Ben Gamble and left Brian Reynolds in center, obviously. And I guess it's a toss up between Anthony Alford and Cole Tucker in right. Um, but if we're narrowing it down to brass tacks, I would say Alford gets that right field spot and Tucker makes the active roster, but is more on the bench as a utility role. So I know I kind of like just bridged out to so many things, but there's a lot of battles, as you mentioned. So, uh, you know, it's the opportunities are endless for these guys. And specialties to the, to the program, to the Pirates organization. And I'm excited to see through the course of the shortened spring training, what all they can bring to Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, looking at the outfield, I think Gamble, he's pretty much a lock for left field unless they bring someone else in. Um, Alford probably will be the right fielder, I would say. I guess the thing is, I know you mentioned Cruz, and last week I was pretty high on him starting the year in the majors, but after kind of a week to think about it, I just I don't really see it. Same with someone like uh, Travis Swaggerty. So I think, I think it's going to be Kevin Newman at shortstop probably going to lead off to be honest but i think when you look at Cruz, 
come May, maybe early June, he's going to be, he's going to be up and it's going to be his job. Same thing with Swaggerty. I think he's going to start the year in the minor leagues as well. And if he does well, one of those corner outfield spots could definitely be his to take. So that'll be something, something to keep an eye on. Second base is, is kind of the big one because I think it's going to be Chavis most of the time um, with maybe having Yoshi at first base or Vogelbach at first base. Honestly, their gloves are both pretty not great, I believe. I think Vogelbach might be a tad better than Yoshi at first. So Yoshi will probably be the DH. But, you know, you you do. You look at someone like Cole Tucker, like you said. I think I think you had that right. He's probably going to be utility man will probably be the defensive replacement in the later innings, even though we're going to see less double switches, if any at all, because of the DH, but we'll see uh, replacements defensively still as well, I believe. But um, yeah, Rodolfo Castro, he's, he's another name to keep an eye on. I think he'll start the year in AAA, but perhaps if he lights it up there, he'll get another shot up in the big same with Castillo, as you mentioned, if I had to guess right now, Catcher, Perez, first base slash DH, Yoshi and Vogelbach, Chavis at second, Newman at short, Hayes at third, and then the outfield, like you said, Gamble, Reynolds, and um, Alford with Perez obviously catching. I think I think the biggest, the biggest, most intriguing battle this spring training that we'll see is going to be who makes the starting rotation and that kind of has a ripple effect on who makes the bullpen because you look at the starting rotation right now, the names are JT Brubaker, Will Crow, who I believe is starting tomorrow is in that mix. Although I don't really want to see him in that mix. You got Mitch Keller, Max Kranich. You have Dylan Peters. You have Jose Quintana, who they just signed Zach Thompson. who They traded for, um, Bryce Wilson, Miguel Yahure. That's like 10 guys right there all thinking that they have a chance to make the starting rotation. So I think that is going to be the craziest battle, if you will. Who are those five guys? Or perhaps who are those six guys if they decide to do a six-man rotation? Because obviously the rosters are at 26. The benches are going to be shorter because... um you know, you look at it, you don't need a five-man bench when there's a DH, so it's probably going to be a four-man bench position player-wise, so that's 12 position players. That leaves room for 14 pitchers. There might be a six-man rotation, but I'm really interested to see this spring who really um, takes the opportunity and runs with it. I don't think there's any locks at all. If I had to guess, I think Mitch Keller might be the safest just because it's funny to say that too, because he's been so awful in his major league career, but he's the safest because he's the highest pedigree guy. He's got the stuff. He touched a hundred this off season. As we all know, we'll see where he's sitting in the spring. That'll be interesting to see, but uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what happens, how this pitching staff shapes out because other than the back end of the bullpen with Stratton, and um, obviously David Bednar, the whole pitching staff is up in the air, and we'll see what happens.
Yeah, regarding the pitching staff, uh, Keller is a safe lock for the rotation. Quintana is going to be the ace. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Um, if he's subjected to anything below the one roll, then I don't know what Derek Shelton's thinking. Brubaker is obviously going to be there. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. I mean, there's uh, Zach Thompson, who they traded for. He'll probably be in the starting rotation. But that's the thing. I like Once again, last week, I kind of thought in my head, all right, those are the four locks. Keller, Quintana, Thompson, and Brubaker. But the more I think about it, none of like, who's to say that Quintana isn't starting in the bullpen? It's not like he's making starting pitching money. Um I wouldn't be surprised if if he's kind of like a relief ace for them. Maybe like the the fireman role where he comes in in the sixth inning with the bases loaded and one out, and he's like that guy to get him out of the jam. Who's to say? I think he'll be a starter, but I just think I guess I guess my point is the Pirates really have uh, an opportunity opportunity here if they want. They can get really creative with this pitching staff. Because they're all just kind of blah. There's no clear-cut starting pitcher, really. If they wanted to just have three innings at a time and and do kind of like an all-bullpen-type staff, they could probably do that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm, I'm just... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's the most interesting thing. Also, Rowan's and Contreras. Um, He's probably going to start in AAA, but he's he's knocking on the door as well. He'll be up at some point this season, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think a lot of people need to factor in the Rowansi factor too. Um, he's going to be up, I would say, in a short time with the MLB. Um, it's not going to be long before he goes from AAA to MLB, um, just based off what he did, not only in his only start in the MLB last year, but also just counting all year what he did with the minor leagues. Um I never thought about the creativity that Derek Shelton possesses, I guess, with his pitching staff now. And you say that Quintana doesn't have pit starting pitcher money. That is true. Um, I, nobody. <laughs> uh, but I would at least say that he would start the year in the rotation just to try and kickstart the Pirates rotation maybe and then maybe transition into the bullpen toward the, I'd say, middle, possibly later part of the season. Um I'm intrigued by Dylan Peters just by what I saw in that short time with the Pirates last year. He had a lot of good numbers. He let his defense do the work instead of trying to do everything himself. Um, I don't know if it was just a fluke because defenses didn't or offenses didn't really know much about him, so they couldn't really generate much. But if he can bring over at least a fraction of what he did last season, he'll be a good long relief option, maybe a spot, a spot starter role. You mentioned Thompson, and I'm sure he'll get his looks as a starter a few times, possibly transition to a full starter role toward the end of the year. I think the Pirates are just going to sort of wait him out, sort of maybe use him as like a long relief role toward the beginning of the year just to see what he got, you know, what he, what he can do against the NL Central teams. Uh, Max Kranich is another one you got to look out for. I mean, he pitched really well in his rookie season. I mean, for a rookie, that is. Uh, he pitched really well, and I don't think the Pirates would want to waste any more of his time down in the, in the minors unless they have to. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot of options that the Pirates can use, and I think it's going to be one of those plug-and-play systems after the uh, starting pitcher four role. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. Uh, that's you know none of those are a lock either, and I'm sure things are going to change uh, either way. That's the, that's one of the things. Is like this is a hard, a hard uh, five to really 
say anybody's a lock with sure. You can name Keller or Brubaker, but at the same time, like everybody's vouching for the same prize and they all bring different, you know, different strengths to the pro to the, to the team. And who's to say Mitch Keller, you know, maybe he has a string of maybe three good innings could possibly pre- be transitioned to a spot starter slash long relief role while somebody else excels in the starting rotation. Nobody, nobody can say that for certain. And we all know Derek Shelton, how much of an optimistic guy he is. He's not going to want to cut Keller. Uh, and I'm focusing on him just because of the year he had last year and all the work that he's done in the off season. Who's to say that, you know, Shelton doesn't look at his starts and say, well, I mean, he kind of fades off after three innings. So maybe let's try to get him reps somewhere else before we totally pull the plug on him. So I think this year is going to be the year of the starting pitcher for the pirates. Uh, they're going to try to test some of the assets that they have and then sort of go from there, build their rotation, both in free agency and, uh, with them with the farm system that they have after this year, Rolanski is going to get significant looks by the end of the season. By 2023, he'll be a full time starter. Next year, we're going to say he's a lock. I already know it. Um, so yeah, this year's just going to be a big plug and play with the Pirates pitchers, especially the starters. Um, if guys break out, great. If not, then it's not too much of a. Um, Yeah, I agree. Um, like, I think you made a good point, though, is with any of these pitchers, there's just there's no predictability at all. I would not be surprised if early May, Mitch Keller is not the seventh inning relief pitcher. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised that if in July, Bryce Wilson is the team's second best starting pitcher. Um, I think everything is on the table, and it's really just up to these guys to to seize their opportunities. JT Brubaker, who's to say he's not a middle reliever in August? Uh, there's there's just nothing that would surprise me with any of these pitchers, besides the fact that David Bednar is the closer and Chris Stratton is probably the team's second best relief pitcher. Other than that, starters and relievers alike, literally anything can happen, and. Hopefully in May or so, or June, whenever it may be, we see Rowanzi Contreras up and we see him just absolutely shove and be awesome. That That is the hope. But other than that, anything can happen. So it'll be really fun to watch. And I'm really excited to see which guys really, uh, you know, take take the opportunity and grab it by the balls. I like the way you put that. <laughs> this is pretty much all the season is, is taking opportunities and grabbing them by the, by the cojones. So yeah, it'll be Honestly, exciting. Like that, that's the, every player. Yeah. And if, you know, fans need a reason to watch this year, this is why, you know, nothing's going to happen with contention, but at least watch what we can have and then make up your own ideas and tell us how wrong we are with our ideas, you know? Exactly. And um, good news for, for us Pirates fans, if you want to call it that, Tonight is going to be the last night without Pirates baseball until March 28th when they have an off day. And then other than that, they're going to have games all the way up until the day before spring training. Starting tomorrow, the Pirates play the Yankees, and then they play for, what, 10 days straight. So... We'll see. We'll be back next Thursday, and we're going to kind of have to, we're going to get a nice early look at which players are looking nice, which players aren't looking so nice. And it's going to be really fun to overreact to X player that had four home runs in a week and 
X player that struck out 12 guys in six innings. And we could totally overreact to other, to Y player who has given up nine runs in an inning or whatever it may be. It's just, it's fun to have pirates baseball back. It's fun to have baseball back in general. And uh, I think this is a good spot for us to wrap things up this week. Um, Just excited for baseball. Yeah, I'm very excited to see if Kevin Newman can reclaim his batting average uh, crown in spring training because God knows it won't transition over into the regular season. But, man, after the lockout, I'm with you. I'm just happy to have baseball back. I'm happy that Pirates baseball is returning. gives us a sense of normalcy. And like you said, I can't wait to overreact to all this stuff next week. Awesome. Jake, where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can find me at underscore Radio Jake. Where can we find you, Nate? Awesome. Find me at Nathan underscore Hirsch, H-U-R-S-H. And, of course, follow Bucks Dugout as well on Twitter, at Bucks Dugout. That is all one word. We're getting the previews out, the position previews, um, and we're going to have a whole bunch of cool content this season. Excited to bring it to you. Jake, anything else before we sign off here? Nope. And, well, other than... uh. Go Pirates tomorrow again. Go Buckos indeed. Jake, have a great night. Listeners, have a great whenever you are listening this to this day. And uh, peace out.